Today's scripture is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, 960 on the page for the, uh, the Bibles. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a, a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Tammy Roach, for those of you who don't know me, and I want to also welcome uh, our guests today. I'm glad you could be here. Well, as Pastor Tim mentioned, we are in our second week of our series, Living Life as Lutherans. Last week, Pastor Tim started us out by laying the foundation of our Lutheran faith, which is based on five pillars of faith. And in case you missed last week, I want to share those pillars with you again. Uh, the foundations of our Lutheran theology are based on these five pillars. Scripture alone, fair warning, we're going deep into Scripture today, and you'll see how Scripture influences our understandings. Uh, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to God alone be glory. Now, if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go on our website and, and look for that sermon. Uh, Pastor Tim goes into each of those a little bit deeper, and so I think it's a good, a good start in order to carry you forward through the rest of this series. And then after laying that foundation, Pastor Tim then answered the question, why do we baptize babies? And we could see the connection between these pillars of the Lutheran faith and why Lutherans practice infant baptism. Now today we are going to answer the question, why don't we pray to Mary? And again, and again, I hope that you will be able to see that connection to these pillars, that they are both scriptural and also support our justification on why we don't pray to Mary as Lutherans. So two clarifications before we start today. First is that for those of you who are not aware, the reason this question is important for us as Lutheran Christians is because there are some traditions who practice, like, the, like Catholicism, who view Mary and other saints as intercessors before God. They believe that these anointed saints who have been glorified in heaven have a more direct access to God, and they believe that these, these prayers would be more effective if they are delivered through a saint like Mary. Now, since here at Alleluia we have several members with a Catholic background, it's really important uh, to share why we don't participate in that practice. And the second thing, I want to reiterate a sentiment that Pastor Tim shared last week, is that if you are Catholic and you do have this as part of your tradition, then please do not feel that we are judging you or shaming you. This is simply an explanation of why Lutherans don't pray to Mary. But full disclosure here, the person delivering this message, the Protestant pastor in front of you, has sang the Ave Maria at friends' weddings before, of course, this was before becoming a pastor and understanding the complexities of it all. 
Now today, this song, of course, the Ave Maria, is one of the most recognized songs in the world, and it is a beautiful song, right? Ave Maria, grazia plena. How many people have heard that song before? Yeah, most people in this room have heard that song. It shows, to, it's uh, a testament to its popularity. It is a truly beautiful song, but in reality, what one is offering here is a prayer to Mary. Right? The song, where, the song says this, Hail Mary, or praise Mary, full of grace. Hail, praise God, the Lord is with thee. And this is offering a worship to Mary. And the second verse in English says something like this, Hail Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners. Pray, pray, pray for us sinners. Essentially, through this song, we're asking Mary, we're praying to Mary to pray to God for us, as if we don't have direct access to God. Now, even though I've sang this song in the past, I now understand the, the meaning behind it, and at, now understand that we're asking Mary to pray on our behalf to Jesus. But today in our scripture reading, it clearly states that it's not necessary to do that. Verse 5 says this, there is one God and one mediator between man, between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. It does not say this. It does not say, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the woman called Mary, the mother of Jesus, whose son gave himself as a ransom for all people. Instead of exalting Mary to a place of deity, our focus is on the Trinity and the Spirit of God who indeed intercedes on our behalf. So I want to offer you today three verses that can see a progression of, why, of what supports our reason for not, for not praying to Mary. The first one is John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. And no one gets through the Father except through through me. The second verse I want to offer you today is from John 14, 15 to 17. It says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. So Jesus says, I will ask the Father. I will ask. And he will give you another advocate. And the advocate is the spirit of truth. And it's the spirit of truth who lives with you and will be with you. And then to continue the progression, Romans 8, 26 through 27. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And those, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit himself 
intercedes for us. The spirit who lives within us intercedes for us. The spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. Now I do find it very fitting that today is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles and the other followers of Jesus. This is who Jesus was referencing when he said that he will send another advocate or a counselor, the spirit of truth. The gift of the spirit is still upon us today and it's available to anyone and everyone who is willing to receive it. It's this very spirit through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus and the unity of the Father, one God who mediates for us. Now I know a mediator often implies more than one person, but we are reminded in Galatians 3.20 that God is one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So to me, these three verses, along with many others that we don't really have time to dig into, offer solid testimony to our belief on why we only need to pray to God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The the Bible nowhere instructs believers to pray to anyone other than God. So my question really comes down to this. Where is it written? Where is it written in Scripture that we should be praying to Mary or through Mary? Well, it doesn't. Nowhere in the Bible is she called the mediator. Nowhere in the Bible are we told to pray to Mary. It's not there anywhere. So how did this practice come to be? Well, Philip Philip Schaff, a Protestant seminary professor from the 19th century, offers us a brief survey of this development. In his book, History of the Christian Church, published in 1866, for Protestant seminary students. Might be a little harsh on the Catholic Church at this point. Schaff writes this, this, Into the festival cycles, a multitude of subordinate feasts found their way, at the head of which stands the festival of the Holy Virgin Mary, honored as queen of the army of saints. The worship of Mary was originally only a reflection of the worship of Christ, and the feasts of Mary were designed to contribute to the glorifying of Christ. But sometime after the middle of the 4th century, the Catholic Church overstepped the biblical limit and transformed the mother of the Lord into the mother of God. Thus, the veneration of Mary gradually degenerated into the worship of Mary, and it took such a deep hold upon the popular religious life in the Middle Age that in spite of scholastic distinction, Mariolatry, which is the idolatrous worship of Mary, practically prevailed over the worship of Christ. Now, Schaff goes into a more depth look at Mariology, which is the theology of Mary, and then he continues... By the beginning of the 5th century, the worship of saints appeared in full bloom. And then Mary, by reason of her singular relation to the Lord, was soon placed at the head as the most blessed queen of the heavenly host. She became almost coordinate with Christ, a joint redeemer, invested with most of his own attributes and acts of grace. Thus, the tradition of praying to Mary began. Now, I want to be clear 
Today, the official, uh, the official position of the Roman Catholic Church is that Catholics do not pray to saints. They do not pray to Mary. But rather, they are taught that they can ask saints or Mary to pray for them. Their understanding is that they are intercessors before God. Lutheran theology, however, points us to Hebrews 4.16, which reads, Let us approach the throne of God with a throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, we believe we don't need heavenly saints to intercede for us because thanks to the suffering of Jesus, the Son of God, we have direct access to God and can approach the throne of God, the throne of grace through prayer with confidence. Our prayers will be heard. That's what's promised, and that's really great news in our scripture today. Now, some might argue that praying to Mary and other saints is no different than asking someone here on earth to pray for us. But if we look at this claim more carefully, we'll see how that falls apart. First of all, asking earthly believers to pray for us in, is biblical, right? 2 Corinthians 1.11, Ephesians 1.16, Philippians 1.19, 2 Timothy 1.3, our scripture reading for today are just a few examples. Second, nowhere in scripture is it encouraged to pray to someone or in heaven, or do we have any evidence that they are praying for us? The saints are not omniscient. They are finite beings with limitations. See, when Christians ask living friends or family to pray for them, they don't contribute God-like properties to them or assume they have special influence with our Savior. They're simply asking them to share the burden of their prayer concerns with God. That delineation is significant. Now, Lutheran Christians still hold Mary in high esteem. She was, after all, the bearer of God's love and favor. She was blessed by God to carry the Savior of the world in her womb and to be his earthly mother. And in fulfilling her call to serve God, she glorified God. To God alone be the glory. And Lutherans do, in fact, support a place for Mary and other saints in our theology. According to the Lutheran confessions, our churches teach that the history of saints must be set, must be set before us so that we may follow the example of their faith and good works according to our calling. But the scriptures do not teach that we are to call on the saints or to ask them for help. Scripture sets before us the one Christ as mediator, atoning sacrifice, high priest, and intercessor. The saints, yes, they're important. We follow the example of their faith and their good works. So while we don't pray to Mary or the saints to intercede on our behalf, we recognize their faithful worship of God and their exemplary lives that they did leave, live, and we follow their example. Hebrews 9, 14 to 15 reminds us that it is the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. 
He who cleanses our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. It's for this reason Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. There is no need for Mary or another saint to intercede on our behalf. We know that we must put our trust in the intercession of Christ because only this has God's promises from the Apology of Augsburg Confession. What a gift. What a gift we have in Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, made fully human and fully God. What a gift that Jesus, the only one capable of sympathizing with both parties, humanity and God, What a gift that he stands as our mediator and acts on our behalf. So we don't have to rely on the inadequacies of those who have limitations. What a gift that Christ is indeed enough. For that we offer praise to God in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for the gift of your son who was born of the Virgin Mary. Thank you for Mary who followed her call and then offered praise and glory to you. We are so blessed to have Jesus as our mediator, fully God, fully human. Thank you, Lord, for that amazing gift because he understands what we are going through here on earth like no one else. We thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son who went to a cross for us, and it is in his name that we pray. Amen.